0: This is Your Woo-Woo Best Friend, a show about attainable transformation. Hi, hi. Welcome back to the show. This is Andy, and this is Your Woo-Woo Best Friend. We have an interview today. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. It's our first interview of the new season. This gal is someone I am quite a fan of, and I'll introduce you to her in just a moment. Before we do... That Before we get into that conversation, a quick update. We have our Bali retreat coming up. It is for this community. If you are listening to this show to this episode, take this as a sign and join me in the magical vortex that is Bali. Here's the details. We're going on the trip from March 27th to April 3rd. March, by the way, marks the astrological new year, allowing us to start over and take one step closer to where and who we want to be in this year. Plus, with all the planets stationing direct until April We are being ushered by the universe to make headway on our biggest visions of the year. Bali is on a ley line, by the way, and ley lines mark the areas for the most powerful vortexes on the planet. There are only seven of these vortexes in the world, and they are often referred to as the chakras of Mother Earth. So if you're interested in joining us in the Mecca of Healing Go to the show notes, drop into the link, and get signed up. We only have two spaces remaining. Today's episode is sponsored by Herbal Face Food. There's this idea that we have to choose between lab-created synthetic and chemical products versus organic plant-based products that aren't especially effective when we're thinking about taking care of our skin, and especially when we consider the aging process and how to maintain beautiful, healthy skin as we begin to grow older. This is what's known as the skincare dilemma. The reality is plant-based intelligence and science is actually far more complex. Than their synthetic counterparts. Meet Herbal Face Food. It is the most potent anti-aging, multi-correctional, antiviral skincare product on the market. Herbal Face Food isn't a magic potion. It's simply the best of plant science at work. There's no fillers, no chemicals, there's no BS. The serum, which is my favorite product, it is the product I used leading up to my wedding, and I'm still using it today to specifically focus on hyperpigmentation from lots of time in the sun that product is packed with antioxidants and phytonutrients to heal your skin at the cellular level from the inside out and address the top signs of aging and just a couple of days no kidding it actually makes a marked difference in the appearance of your skin very very quickly. I have an entire episode with Michael Zinn, the founder of Herbal Face Food, a few episodes back. I will link that in the show notes. You can use the discount code WEWEGIRL, O-U-I-W-E-G-I-R-L for 20% off the Herbal Face Food collection. And the code WEWEGIRLCREAM, girl cream C R E A M for the newest product, the cream. I've been using that as my daily moisturizer, and I absolutely co-sign on everything Herbal Face Food has to say about the potency of these ingredients. And the beautiful thing about these products is, you don't feel like your skin has been through it afterwards. There's no, there's no redness or irritation. There's a little bit of a tingling sensation. When you first apply the product, that goes away pretty quickly. And actually, it kind of lets you know the product is working, but it leaves your skin so soft and supple. Now, let's meet today's guest, Michaela D'Artois. She's a writer, a certified sex coach, and sexologist specializing in intimacy, connection, and desire. Michaela and I first met almost, I don't know, maybe eight years ago when I was writing my book, Wonderful. We got connected, and she's such a woman's woman and someone who is constantly evolving, transforming, and creating an impact and supporting others along the way. She spent over a decade as a journalist writing about the female experience for leading women's magazines while advocating for equality and sexual health resources for all of us. Through her work today and her company, Inner Arrows, she believes that in order to understand the connectivity and joy of our society, we must first look at the sexual and relational fulfillment of the individual members of the society. Her work is rooted in pragmatic human development, and she aims to rework ways of thinking and being, especially ways that hinder us, in order to help us to create clear lines of communication into our deepest desires. Let's get into it. Welcome, my friend Michaela, to the show. Hi, Michaela. How are you? Hi, Andy. So you've been in my office with me now for like well over an hour. We have already been like going (laughs) I live here now. I know. It's so good. We could have recorded like two additional episodes in the conversations we've had in the last like hour and a half. Yes.
1: This is a this is like has the capacity to be a series.
0: It does. It really does. It's a fruitful conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're now we've hit record, and we're going to share some of the things we've already been talking about. I want to ground us first, in the work that you're doing, the work that you've been really focused on lately, is involved with this idea of working with intimacy and sexology, desire, commitment, relationships. So take us through what that looks like, this type of work. Yeah. So my training is specifically
1: in sexology. And um, so essentially what that is, is the study of human desire. And that's what my schooling is in. And that has always been a huge pillar of interest for me is like how people approach intimacy, physical intimacy, sex. Um, Sex education is really important to me. Yeah. But as I matured and kind of came into myself more I realized on top of that which something that was even more interesting to me is really these three pillars of connection intimacy and desire so my work is not inherently romantic it's not inherently sexual Um, it is more working one-on-one with clients or with couples or in groups to understand why we desire the things we desire, mm. um, how we can have better connections with friends, with family members, with coworkers, with romantic partners, um, which with situationships, you know, in any capacity, essentially, um, and I think it's all very timely. I right before the pandemic, I was really looking into this and digging into sort of the statistics surrounding um, connection and just how you know, this modern age is affecting our ability to connect with other people. Are we connecting better because we have so much access or are we connecting less? And then the pandemic hit and I realized that everyone was really craving connection yeah, and maybe felt like they didn't have the proximity they thought they did to it and was really specifically craving in-person connection and community. So yeah, it, it like live and breathe this concept. It's you know, we're doing it all day, whether we realize it or not.
0: Yeah, which is yeah. how we ended up in an hour and a half conversation <laughs> yes. about it before we yeah. even started. Yeah. Because it is so much a part, it's just a part of our lives and everything we do. And we were having a conversation about a mutual uh, former friend that we both haven't really spent a lot of time with lately, but that's how we knew each other. And so we're having this conversation about how that relationship, what that relationship looked like, the other relationships around it. And then all of a sudden, an hour and a half later, we're like, oh, right, like this is exactly what we're going to be talking about. And all of this stuff impacts truly so much of how we just move through the day. Yeah. So much of how we move through the day. So I want to talk about codependency and then get really grounded in what that is versus the work that you're doing around co-commitment. So can you give us a little glossary of both of those terms? Yeah, of course. So Codependency essentially is
1: what happens when two people make often unspoken agreements to turn a blind eye to each other's unhelpful habits. Mm, yeah. You know, on a singular level, we are very good as humans um, at self-sabotaging. Yeah. We all do it to some degree. Some people have less helpful self-sabotaging mechanisms and other people, some people have, you know, more, you know, some of it could be like snacking, some of it could be like. Um, Substance abuse, you know, like there's a spectrum. And often what happens in codependency is two people have made these agreements and then you are also simultaneously agreeing to stay small.
0: Yeah. There's only
1: so Oof. big you can grow yeah. in that dynamic. And again, like doesn't have to be romantic. Um, I've actually been talking a lot about the potential for codependency that female friendships have.
0: Yeah. That's where my mind just went immediately. I was like, yeah. oh damn, right. Those were what you know, I was thinking about some relationships I just had in my younger, my younger days. And women that I really, I still have so much love for, but I'm like, oh yeah, what we were doing for each other was not, not good when we were keeping each other small.
1: And the interesting thing is, is like, you know, if you are a woman, you probably know that female friendships can be the most intimate relationships that you will ever have in your life in terms yeah. of connection, in terms of understanding each other, in terms of being able to go deep. And then also, you know, sometimes there's a level of, like, a trauma bond that happens. Yeah. And I think that they're both the most beautiful, nourishing and nurturing relationships. Yeah. And then can have the potential to be extremely harmful, right? Yeah. Or, like, Mm -hmm. can limit us from what growth we can – our growth trajectory that we could potentially have. And I think what happens is, especially if it's a longstanding female friendship, yeah. we make these agreements of who we are at a very young age
0: yeah, and totally. what our roles
1: are in that friendship. And then there's no room for us to grow out of that role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was having a friendship or I was having a conversation with a girlfriend who I had a friendship like like that with. You know, probably ten plus years ago, and we had an opportunity to catch up recently. And I noticed in the conversation, we were both doing this thing where we were like, "Oh, I don't do that anymore." We were like describing the things that we had been like so willing to allow yeah. in the other one that we felt it almost necessary to explain, like, like oh, "I'm d- not that I'm, person. I'm not that person." Yeah, and we, of course, are like still connected in a lot of ways because of social media, and you just kind of know what each other is up to, but it. I noticed how important that seemed to both of us to explain our way around those things that we had allowed out of each other 10 years ago or so. And how painful is it in
1: the moment sometimes when you have to choose to go your separate ways, whether it's like a heartbreak or it's just a natural progression? Yeah. But then how beautiful is it that in that time period, you've both been able to become these different people that you have the capacity to be like, I don't do that anymore. I'm good now. And now potentially there's like all this, you know um like nourishing soil for you guys to like plant seeds potentially for totally. almost a new friendship. Yeah. And that's something I think is really beautiful as well is like when we do get over that hump of letting each other grow out of those roles, there's there's like an infinite capacity of growth to be had. Yeah. And that actually kind of leads us into co-commitment, which is really the concept of Two people agreeing that both individuals will support each other's growth, fulfillment, and progress no matter what. Mm. And so these that that word specifically co-commitment came to me through the book Conscious Loving, which is by um Gay Hendricks and Kathleen Hendricks, their husband and wife. And they have worked with couples for, I mean, I have the book with me here in this, you know, the covers. 80s glamour. I love it. It's (laughs) truly a special book to me. And um, I think that I always, specifically in romantic relationships, I always craved what is now for me defined as co-commitment. Yeah, But I didn't know the words for it, and I didn't know how to get there. Yeah, And this book, and then also just the work I'm doing and working with couples and individuals, I've really seen this, like, you know, it's so clear to me now of, like, how we can move from sort of an unhelpful role in codependency into this ever-expanding role of co-commitment or co-connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think back to when Ben and I met, and now we've been together for, you know, over eight years, and we, we both came into the relationship. It's interesting. I remember having a conversation maybe on our first date. It was really early in which we both were like, I'm not looking for a relationship. My previous relationship had been one that was rather codependent. And he had, he'd just been in a really long-term relationship that was like his high school sweetheart relationship. And he was like, I gotta, I'm like, I gotta like have a little time. I need, I I need some moments before I recommit to something else. So we're having this date and we're like, okay, we're both not looking for something. And then pretty quickly we both had the conversation that looked like this it was but if i was looking for something what's really important to me right now is that i can i can really be allowed to be me and to thrive and i am not in a place right now where i can make a lot of adjustments to how i'm pursuing my work and so if i were going to be in a relationship the partner would have to be very willing to let me do my thing and I had, of course, no no name for what that was going to look like. But we agreed that that was something we were both really interested in. And there was, I think, a little skepticism on both of our parts. Like, can you really let me do my thing? Yeah. Can I really let you Especially do your thing? Especially
1: if that hasn't been your experience. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so a part of it for us was our relationship was long distance. And I liked that at the beginning because I was like, well, I kind of I'm going to definitely be allowed to do my thing because you don't even live here. So like, I'll be doing my thing and I'll see you when I see you. But we both were right away so interested in celebrating each other and being a champion for each other that that co-commitment piece started to happen really naturally and Mm -hmm. was quite different from anything I'd ever experienced before. And so as it was progressing, I quickly got like how special this this thing was and at the time we both said you know probably why this is like going in such a great direction is we're communicating really well but the other thing i think that we didn't recognize then that i'm so seeing in this conversation is we made that agreement from the jump yeah
1: so that's actually something i talk about really with anyone who will <laughs> listen to me yeah but i think you know we live in such an interesting day and age in dating And people who have been in this role will know exactly what I mean when I say this. But, like, we fall into these tropes of, and I did this, of, like, cool girl, right? Like, don't ask for too much. Don't have too many needs. Um, You know, we glorify hyper-independence in romantic relationships. And I did that for a very, very long time. Like, I was so small. I needed nothing. Yeah. Like, I I was so self-sufficient, quote-unquote, you know. Yeah but i think there is beauty and as you should have needs in relationships and i think that something i tell everyone to do is like regardless of the dynamic of what that relationship will become whether it's um friends with benefits whether it's dating whether it's a long term relationship you, there has to come a point and hopefully pretty early on where you sit down and you make verbal agreements mm-hmm. and until then you cannot hold anyone to
0: Anything, right?
1: Yeah, and
0: it's it's wild that we don't think think to do that.
1: And I think that we like what's always really funny to me is like in Friends with Benefits, for example, you think like this is the thing that needs the least amount of effort. Like I shouldn't, (laughs) but that's really where you need the most expectations laid out and agreements laid out for everyone's like respect and safety. And I think that it's the fact that you guys could have done that so early on. It also took two people that were ready. To be there and respect those agreements yeah. and respect those boundaries, and I think that's also another thing. It's it really takes the two people. Like you could be as ready as you you know are ever gonna be, and the other person has to meet you there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was it, be, it was interesting because neither of us were actively seeking a relationship. Even going on that first date, we were both we both had a conversation up before the first date about that piece of like I'm not looking for something, but I am like I'm interested in you and I do want to have I do want to have dinner with you and yeah. then I think our first date ended up going like 5 hours. We like met for dinner and then like, you know, just continued on through the evening and just were hanging out and talking for such a long a long night that night and we immediately were like, okay, we've already communicated like what the what the intended outcome it, of this is is that we are not interested in a relationship, but we we are drawn to one another and so we're going to have to set a new parameter ar- around what this is going to look like. And so pretty quickly after that, within the next couple of dates, which, as you know, he was a touring mu- musician at that time. Mm-hmm. He was not in one place ever. So it wasn't like, oh, I'll meet you next weekend for dinner. It was like, okay, if we're going to have another date, one of us is going to have to get on a plane. So like that's what this is going to have to look like. So the next commitment that we made was if one of us was going to get on a plane, there was going to be – there was no games allowed. Like we had yeah. to be very, very aligned in what it was going to look like what relationships with other people might look like, if there was anything else casual going on, which I I was casually dating a, another person when Ben and I first met. So I shared that then. Like, mm-hmm. I am having this conversation with this person, so let me let them know. I'm going to now make this commitment to explore things with you. We don't know what that means yet, but we had to have all of that laid out before either of us were going to get on, on a plane and go be together for, like, date three and four. Yeah.
1: And I think it's so interesting because... That too is like that's the self-work of like when you can't be honest about the other things going on, that's because it's shrouded in shame, right? Like you don't want this person to maybe know that you're dating someone else because you don't want them to leave or say, like, that's not for me, or know maybe that you are like dating two people. Maybe that to you is shameful. I don't, you know, like not to you personally, but to someone. And I think when we can't just own up to exactly what's going on, we're all human. We all Date, we all have desires. We all yeah. move through the world. We meet people. We travel. We do all these things. And if you can't own up to it, I think that really is because it's shrouded in sh- shame and shadow. Sure. Yeah. And so I think it's so beautiful that you guys were able to have that space to be like, this is just how it is. Yeah. And then you're also yeah. not setting, you know, ridiculous expectations of both of you. You know, it's like you are an adult woman who dates.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I and I hadn't been in so long because I had been in a long-term relationship. Yeah. And so now I was like finally in a place where I was like, okay, like I'm learning how to date, like seeing seeing some folks. And what was nice was I actually feel like at that time I had chosen a couple people that were all like kind of doing their own work. And I remember calling the guy that I had been kind of seeing, and I was like, all right, I've just made this. He was also a musician, by the way, an awesome touring musician. Clearly, I have a type. type. (laughs) So I called him and I was like, look, I'm going to like, I'm going to like do a thing with this guy. And the commitment we've made is that if I'm getting on a plane to go see him, or he's getting on a plane to come see me, that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to explore this fully. And Mm -hmm. that means I'm not going to be I'm not going to be getting on a plane to come see you. Okay, yeah. cool. Is that good? And he was like, great. Just let me know if it doesn't work and then we'll like reconnect. And then I remember messaging him like I think a month later after like our, Ben and I's like first like getting on a plane date. And I was like, oh, it's working. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Yeah. You're like, and he you was can. Like, great. Yeah. Right. I release you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not going to be a thing. Yeah. Because this is going to be a thing. This thing. But that how beautiful I is it when everyone responds in that way of support because
1: you've allowed it, you know, like your honesty through all three of your, you know, dynamics allowed for that to just to, to be an area of support. Totally.
0: Yeah. And it was not a normal practice for me. Like that all sounds really good. And I had very much come out of a relationship before that, that was incredibly codependent. Um, and that relationship I've, I've talked about this before. There was a moment at the end where we were breaking up that, um, there was like an attempted surprise marriage moment like he was like trying to save save it in any oh, way yeah. possible and it yeah. was like well what if we get married like that sort of thing and like we could do it this weekend and i was like oh my god like that's the level that we've just we've just allowed this to get so bad that we're like throwing these last ditch really crazy effort i mean I effort. Th- it's
1: very common yeah yeah but it's true it's like it's kind of scary and then in reflection however many years out of it yeah like I was talking to a girlfriend about this last night about a similar past relationship I had that was very codependent and emotionally abusive and you know all these things and and I remember we had a few things like that as well like uh a, like a potential elopement and all these things and it's you know you look back years out of it and you're like I dodged a bullet. Yeah but yeah. you're so in it and your reality is so skewed that you think you're like reaching for straws you're like maybe this will work
0: yeah and and it's the, there was something with the two of us in which i there was a moment in which i think that that relationship had served both of us in some way and mm-hmm. it had run its course and it needed to have ended a year before it did maybe maybe more than that i think we dated for it was like a three year relationship so There was definitely, it it probably like ran its course after a year. And we had been really great partners for each other in that moment. And then we started to both evolve in ways that it did not need to continue. And that's when the like really keeping each other small stuff started to happen. And so when I think back on that, I'm able to really see what that, what the, early moments of that relationship did for me where I allowed it to go too far. And then when we got to that point at which it was like, let's just do – let's do anything we can to save it. And even for me in that moment, when we broke up, I had to – I, I mean, I didn't do it only for this reason, but I I literally moved out of the country because I was like, let me like make sure I don't go back to this relationship. I was also quitting my corporate job at that time, but I was like, let me make sure I don't go back to this relationship. Let me make sure I don't go back to this job. Yeah. How do I do that? I need to get across the ocean. And, Honestly, like, that's the
1: way. I completely identify with that. I'm like, I have to like kill you off in my mind. Yeah. I'm like, you don't. You
0: can't that per- be that here. You cannot
1: exist anymore. I'm mm-hmm. like that character has been killed off, mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, I totally understand that. But honestly, like, do what you got to do, yeah, to get out of it because it can be so incredibly hard once you've made those agreements and that is your normal and that is sort of the yeah. karmic cycle you guys are looping through over and over again. Like sometimes you really need to just do that final cut, yeah. And there's nothing like you can't come back from it, and that's actually <laughs> in the end of mine. It was like. We – I think we knew it was so unhealthy that we really, like, had to, like, kill the horse and then drag it for, like, miles behind the truck <laughs> right. to mm-hmm. make sure that there was no going back. Like, yeah. we we really just solidified that, like, it was so embarrassing. We had gone so far with it. Our families knew. Our friends knew. Like, you couldn't come back from it. Yeah. And in a way, in a way that was, you know, was so painful at the time. But it that's the only thing that got us out of it.
0: Yeah. If someone's listening and they're like, "Okay, I think that's me right now. I think I'm like hanging out in that place, and it needs to be the horse needs to be killed and dragged, <laughs> but I'm not yeah. right. I need to like get on the plane and like go across the ocean, but hey, I've got other things in my life, and I can't do that. Yeah, what are some things that someone could do to start to create that create that that breakup plan so that yeah. they can do it with grace and you know, with as much dignity for both parties as possible.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, first and foremost, like we're all on our own timing and I think you will get there eventually when you're ready to. And I don't think that there's, you know, it's not worth shaming yourself that you haven't gotten there faster or in reflection, shaming yourself that you didn't get there faster. Right. Yeah. And I think it's also important to remind yourself that like, I personally don't believe that there's any mistakes we just will eventually learn the lesson. Yeah. And so I think what happens is we're so hard on ourselves that like, how did I get here? How did I allow this to happen? In codependency, it's a lot of like, how did I become party to this dynamic? Mm-hmm. And it's pretty unproductive, I would say, to allow yourself. And I think you will naturally cycle through that, but that part's not productive. You know, like it happens. Most adult people have been in some kind of unhelpful codependent relationship, whether it's a work dynamic, a boss, a a female friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, parent, it's like, it's a big lesson. We, you know, yeah, I don't know that many people that just were birthed to have great relationships.
0: Right. When we look around, it's probably way more common in our life story than we ever could really imagine that it would be. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 You... When you and I were talking the other day, and then you've said this a couple times today, you you specifically used the word helpful when describing relationships. Tell me a little bit about what a helpful relationship is versus perhaps using the word healthy relationships. Yeah.
1: So I specifically do that. That's actually something I learned from my own therapist. Shout out to her. She knows who she is. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I use that verbiage because it's not for me to decide what is healthy for someone. Yeah. That's for them to decide. And I think that um, it's easier for us to see something as unhelpful that's not benefiting us, that's keeping us small, than to define it as healthy or not healthy. Yeah. I
0: love that shift. It's such a good one.
1: And I think it's helped me a lot. And I think, you know, I use it a lot when I think of like, and especially in the last, you know, how many years of COVID and then post COVID, we've all really had to depend on our self-soothing mechanisms. And I think that we live in a culture that, you know, this is a tang- a different tangent, but we live in a culture that really um, vilifies certain types of self-soothing. And there's obviously help- more helpful self-soothing me- mechanisms and less helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, We're all just out here trying to survive. Like, you know, like we just got to do what we got to do. And I think that's not to glorify, you know, things that are harmful to us, but I do think that it helps us be a little kinder to ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that language shift and really considering okay, is this helping me in my day to day? Is this helping me in my life? Am I able to be of help to the person that I've committed to or that I want to spend time with or this friendship? And, if you consider it that way, it takes the pressure too out of like everything feeling like like it's the healthiest moment or it's like an, an unhealthy moment. It's like, can I just show up and be helpful?
1: Yes. Yeah. I can. can I? Yeah. You know. Can okay. I just I binge like is. twelve hours of TV and then tomorrow, <laughs> totally. you know, maybe go on a hike? Yeah. And maybe I just needed that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that shift. Okay, I want to ask you about this. So when we, so many of us are just living like incredibly busy lives. And it is something right now that feels like we're we're reconnecting to being out in the world after the 2020, 2021 time. And so that can feel also quite exhausting. So how do we, how do we create intimacy with our partners when we're finding that we're more exhausted from life, that we're like having to give a lot of ourselves out in the world. And then perhaps we're coming home and we're like, Oh, right. I still want to have this intimacy with you, but I'm feeling like really tapped out. How do we, how do we work with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think back to sort of the spoken agreement things, I think that we there are so many levels of intimacy and connection and also that can be informed of where we're at in that very exact moment. Um we have a lot of cultural things that we help as sort of containers to guide us through how we connect with people you know there's like the love languages and yeah. other things and i think um an example that's coming to mind is like i'm someone who through and through my love language is physical touch and my partner shares that with me and i think you know that's great and mm-hmm. um i think both of us are the most touchy person you can have and then now we exist together but it's so funny cuz we've come to this thing of you know there's some days the quality of physical touch is sensual. And some days the quality of physical touch is me just being like, I want to be touched. I I just want my feet rubbed. Yeah. And I think it's like allowing for there to be all these other steps that are def- defined by both of you coming together and yeah. agreeing upon these things and what works for both of you. And I think when we think of connection, especially in romance, we think it has to be like this big... Um like act or some huge date night or, you know, whatever that means to you, whatever it looks like to you. But I think there's so many ways to connect that have to be defined by us. Like for me personally, sitting next to my partner and watching TV, I don't feel connected. Like I have to be sort of eye to eye with them and we have to be sort of connecting on an intellectual level or physical level. Yeah. But that could be different for everyone. Yeah. And I think that we just have to allow ourselves some grace, especially in relationships. Of sort of, we overvalue certain types of connection. And I think that we're all doing so much. Yeah. And our lives ask a lot of us. And I think to then come home and be asked a lot of from a potential partner or your, you know, long term, short term, whatever, yeah, can feel drained, even further draining. And I think we just have to redefine what those containers look like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important. Does that, do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I think that, um, I think it's what you said about it going back to those spoken agreements. You know, I think about in, in my relationship when Ben and I are feeling that way. I mean, this, this past week was one of those ways I was one of those like weeks in which that was happening. I was traveling. He's had, he's been working on a, on a record and we've both been really busy. And so in the last two weeks, like one of the things that I know really does it for him is when we, go out someplace, have really great food, and sit and just have a great conversation. Yeah. And so over the last two weeks, we've made a commitment to do that several times because it's like, we, we know we're going to need to eat. We know we're going to need some moments of decompression if we can go and do that with each other. And change the scenery. Yeah. And just get out of the house. Yeah. yeah that That makes a big difference. And I've noticed that with him that it, it we could order in a really great meal and it doesn't do the same thing for him as it would to go sit someplace and just like Together. It's someplace. the action of it. So mm-hmm. that's so
1: interesting. So I haven't talked, I've have, this is like not a fully formed thought, but it's something I've been thinking over for a, a while. And um, it's the concept of the third place for a couple. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, when this concept actually is inspired by um, you know, like the impressionist painters and the um existentialists who often had small apartments that they worked in or small studios that they worked in, and then they were always going to the third place that was like the cafe. Yeah. And that exists as sort of this philosophical third place. And for couples, I think it doesn't have to be a physical place, but I think you have the um, intimate place. Yeah. As a couple. And then you have the functional place, which for some couples that's um, parenting, it might be working together. In COVID, it was like our houses became the only place. Yeah. And you're doing all... All the things you're playing, all the roles in this, in these four walls, and I think we've now, now more than ever needed is this idea of a third place. And it sounds like for you guys, that third place is sometimes you leave the house, you go to this third place, and it's intellectual stimulation,
0: totally. and it's good food.
1: So you're using your senses, which like how hot, you yeah. know, You're using all, yeah. You, you're just being turned on on all these other levels, and that then creates space for that the intimate space
0: place. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and the other the other thing for us um that that third place idea is is so right on for us. When we first moved here, one of the things that we made a commitment to was that on the weekends, I think I shared this with you before, on the weekends on either Saturday or Sunday we would go to the beach. Every week, every week we'd have a beach day. And that became it became so powerful for us in that first year of living here. It was like it didn't matter what else was going on. We knew that either Saturday or Sunday, we were going to have a couple of hours where we were just like together by the water. We love nature so much. So like that experience was so great. And then when it came time for him to, when he proposed to me, and then when we got married, we were like, there's no question about where that's going to happen. It's going to be back on that, that, that beach yeah. that we've, that we felt like we almost established our lives here and how our relationship would look here on those moments, on those weekends, on that beach side. That's so beautiful. And I think so many
1: couples probably have that place, but maybe they don't think of it or they don't treasure it in the same way. It sort of just like is naturally built into their lives. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you guys obviously have these incredible tools that I don't even know if you realize that you've used them, but obviously it's gotten you so far. And I think that that's like I even – could use more of that, you know, because it's so easy to get into your routine, sure, and to just get in the cycle of it. And sometimes there's days where I'm like, I genuinely can't remember if I've left the house, yeah. <laughs> and I think that making that intentional time, even as an indi- individual, and a lot of the things that I talk about when I talk about partnerships or relationships, I also apply to indivi- your relationship with yourself, sure. And that's sort of my whole thing is like connect better with yourself. And then with others. And I could use that on my own, is like that third place that exists for me outside of the role I play in my relationship and the role I play as everything else, friend, um, you know, sexologist, writer, all these things. And I think, you know, nature's the most beautiful place to have that, but it could be anything. It could be an Uh, art gallery it could be somewhere that's really special to you where you get to exist in a different space
0: yeah even just going and taking a a drive just just going and like sitting by one another and experiencing the world around you in a different way and changing it's actually it comes back to that
1: thing of like couples have the most like statistically couples have more sex on vacation and it's kind of like because that is the third place it's like that place doesn't hold all of the other things that home holds or the office holds or parenting holds or even like, you know, your friend dynamics hold. Yeah. In that space, there's all of a sudden you've changed things around a little bit. And the beach, even if you go to the beach a billion times every time you go, it's a little different. It's shifted, the sand has shifted, the rocks have shifted. It's always a new space. Yeah. And that's I mean
0: Yeah. And we notice like when we when we haven't done it in a couple of weeks that we do feel a little bit disconnected. Like we were like, oh wait, we haven't really checked in, even though we're in. Like we both work from home most of the time. Like Ben's in his studio. I'm here in my office. And you collaborate. And we we work together a lot. We do yeah. a lot of things together. And yet, still, if we don't have that that moment, then we're like, oh wait, what's actually going on with you? Like we haven't really checked in. Yeah, and that isn't that so funny.
1: And people can go years. Yeah. Without really, really having a depth of connection and checking in. Yeah. Because you know, sort of, right? Like, especially if you're working side by side with someone and you're co-parenting with them and you're doing all these things, you are like, I kind of know how things are going, you know? Right. I see you. I see you. You're still wearing your sweatpants. They're not, things aren't great. (laughs) right? But how often do we stop and actually ask and sort of ask the in-depth question? Like, let the answer evolve and come out and... It, like to your point, going to dinner and having these intellectual conversations where you're probably saying a lot of things that you didn't say at home, yeah, because totally. maybe you guys are ships passing and you're running around and you're busy, and yeah. now you've all of a sudden created a space where you can open up and sometimes you surprise yourself, you know, I do that, I surprise my I start talking and then I'm like, oh, I didn't know I needed this, yeah, and that actually brings back something that I think this has totally changed my outlook on relationships and i think this is like the hack and when my partner and i got together he taught me this and every single week on sundays before we lived together we would go our separate ways we'd spend the weekend together and sundays we'd go our separate ways he'd go to the gym and i would go watch like true crime documentaries or whatever mm-hmm. and that was just sort of our reset by ourselves before the week started and every sunday evening he would text me and he would just say what do you need from me this week Mm, I love support that. one. emotional support physical support anything and most of the time I was like just keep doing what you're doing that probably was 90% of the time my response but it not only allowed me to have the space to ask for the things I needed and created that safe space but it also allowed me to reflect on what I needed not even just from him then I started thinking about like what do I need from myself this week and it started, you know, then we moved in together and we we do it less and less, but it's definitely, that's like our sort of, we come back to that place and we're just like, what do you need from me this week? What do you need from me this month? And it really allows first for you to speak
0: speak your needs and then for you to be heard. Yeah, that's so powerful. We've been going through this IVF process, which I've shared with you and I've talked about here on the show quite a few times. and. One of the things that I noticed coming up for me during that process was a, a trigger around worthiness. And so I shared that with Ben pretty mm-hmm. quickly in the process that th- th- there's something in this process that has me questioning my worthiness, and it, which makes great sense that that would be a trigger that comes up during yeah. a process in which which is as intense as IVF is. And then there was a moment about midway through that I was telling him, I was like, I need you to show me extra just love. I need like lots of like reminders of how loved I am during this process. And that's a really intense process. But I think we all go through moments in our life, whether it's a shift in your career, whether it's a shift in your relationships with your parents as they're getting older or relationships with siblings or or friends, whatever it may be, where we have these moments where we really have we have a different thing that we need to request of the people yes. that we spend the most time with and i would not have asked him for that had my therapist not prompted me to to tell him like i really need extra extra love right now and i need you to tell me how loved i yeah. am specifically so i i love this idea of making that a ritual or a practice in your relationship to to ask for what you need and also um offer that up to your partner. Yeah. Along the way. It's really special. And I think also
1: if you're going through a bout of sort of, you know, um, arguing or bickering or things are feeling a little bit tougher, that's also a really great time where it's like, I, I gave you the floor to ask for what you need and, you know, you're not being punished if you don't ask for it. You, there's always next week, there's tomorrow there, you know, you can ask for it next time. But I think it's also the thing of the space has been open for you. So you can't hold me accountable to that expectation. If I don't know, if I didn't know. Yeah. And I think that helps a lot because it sort of, that takes away that then later conversation that you have where it's like, but I needed this from you. And your partner is like, I'm not a mind reader. We've all had that fight. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's a really beautiful ritual to have and we can do that at any
0: time. Right. Anytime. Such a good one. What are some of the best ways to resolve conflict if we haven't been doing that and we're noticing like, okay, we're just way off track. Where, yeah. do, where do we go? Where do we go to get back on track?
1: Yeah. I think two things. There's two things that I suggest people do. The first is to what we were just talking about, um, having a phrase that you need in those moments of tension. So I think sometimes... And again, it's just the practice of speaking your needs. But we all have different, you know, whether you believe in attachment styles or, you know, I believe in, for, you know, informed attachment styles do affect us. And, or whether you're just triggered in that moment, we all kind of have these phrases that we need that kind of pull us back down. So my phrase for a long time and probably still would be like, I need my partner in that moment of conflict to be like, we're not breaking up,
0: Mm.
1: you know, or like we're not, you know, my fear in past relationships was someone just leaving, like me needing too much, them being like, I can't do this and, and being out. And I think that having a partner in that tense moment, speak to your need and say like, hey, I love you. We're just in a fight. You're allowed to have needs or like very simply, I got you." Mm-hmm. Like, we're in this together. Yeah. That really diffuses that moment of just overarching, you know, you're kind of, like, blind with all these things that are coming up in the moment. And, you know, it could be for your partner. It could be something else. It could be, um, you know, I'm not going to shut down. Like, I will, you know, we'll get past this. This fight won't last forever. And I think those, to me, in that's really in the moment of it, are very helpful predetermined things that you've agreed upon and, you know, those are the tools that are in your back pocket. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because the stories that we're spinning are often fueling the disagreement or whatever the fight has been turned into. And then all of a sudden it's like, what, what is, what is being played out has nothing to do with what was originally yes, going exactly. on. Exactly. And sometimes you can't, like if you stopped
1: in the middle of a fight and you're like, what are we really fighting about? Yeah. You can't even really retrace it to get the back original there. thing. Yeah. And the second tool that I I use and I suggest everyone use in relationships, or really in conflict with any person that you have intimacy with, is I do this kind of worksheet that I call "You, Me, and We." And basically, if I'm triggered by something, or I um, something comes up for me, or someone's done something that I kind of hurts my feelings, or I feel uncomfortable about, I'll do this list. And first, I'll I'll write what my part in all of this is. Like why do I, am I why am I being triggered? Am I being triggered because I have a fear of abandonment? Am I being triggered because I feel like I've been down this road before and it didn't end well? Am I being triggered because of something you said? Like the verbiage that's mine. Like what what is my part in this? And then what is their part in this? And so it's sort of like knowing this person as I do, what are they maybe triggered in or maybe like what's their journey with all of this and really stopping to ask like why are you doing this the way you're doing it like you before I write the story for you you tell me sort of why you why your brain has decided to do x y and z the way that you've done it that now has created this conflict between us because all of our brains work so differently (laughs) right and then it's sort of the we like what is ours to work on together and what is really from our relationship that is our responsibility to collaborate on and i think that i often do that if i feel that's like a reflective thing that's not in the middle of it necessarily for me right. that's like my alone time with my journal i go and journal that and then by the next morning then i feel you know i've i've had some time to think about it i i can't wake up angry like i wake up like with sunshine coming out of my ass every morning. So I wake up, I'm in a better mood, and then we can come to it and have
0: much more of a productive dialogue. Totally. And then it's it seems like when you do when you work through a process like that and then you can both acknowledge like here's here's what here's the things, like here's my things, here's your things, here's what we do together. It seems like it would be it would create it would just take the f- the fuel out of out of it when you do do those things again yeah. because then you can just call call it out yeah. like okay this is happening I'm doing it or you're doing it or together we've now like entered into this thing but we've already acknowledged that we know that this is what's up that we do this thing yeah. and now we can we can like we can a- address it head on deal with it and like move on to what's actually the matter at hand yeah and i think that
1: then it becomes so much more of a collaboration like it's yeah. not i think my biggest sort of slogan in relationships is like we're on the same team like the minute things come between the two of you and you're no longer on the same team that's like when you really got to sit down and reflect yeah and I think that sometimes maybe that's even the sentence in the moment of conflict is like hey babe like we're on the same team here and then you're like no we are and this isn't one against the other this is truly a collaboration we've just we've chosen to be here until we no longer choose to be here and how can we collaborate in a more helpful way. And yeah, and I just think really understanding that we it's so easy to write these stories about what someone's intentions were or about why they did the thing they did. And instead of taking all of that personal labor and energy that you could be using somewhere else to try and write the story for this person, just sitting them down and being like, Hey, you tell me why you do this this way. And then I'll tell you how it makes me feel. And then we'll come to an agreement of how can we bridge that gap? And like who like is it worth it for you to overcome that thing or for me, you know, like can can one of us maybe overcome something so we can meet in the middle?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and once that's happened, then calling it out when it starts to like get a little hot, just you're able to just diffuse it so so quickly because it's like, oh right, this is the thing I do. I'm like, yeah. all right, got it. Yeah, I don't need to do it. Or you go, With you, I definitely don't need to do it.
1: Yeah. Or you go, you, me, and we. <laughs> right.
0: Get this. Get my journal. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, it then becomes practice. Mm-hmm. These are all just like muscles that we have to. Um exercise.
0: Yeah, and when we when we love someone, when we want to be in a relationship with someone, these are muscles that we we should want to be exercising so that we can yeah. continue to cultivate a relationship that really lights us up, and that we have the intimacy that we want, and we continue to have these feelings of desire, and the relationship can be really magical and beautiful. Or we have the awareness that, like, okay, this relationship ran its course, and like, it served, it served me, and it yeah. served you, and now, now we're you know making a decision go, together yeah. to go a different way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always say like I spent a lot of my twenties grappling with even if I even believed in the concept of monogamy. Like I always went towards monogamy, but I, you know, I don't know that this is like biologically what we're meant to be doing, but do I believe we've evolved to partner? 100%. We've evolved to be in romantic relationships and partnership in that way. That's beyond just biological reproduction. Yeah. But I think that what I always say about relationships is like, I don't know if they work. I don't know if lifelong partnership works, but it's an experiment and I'm fucking down to try. I'm down to be the best. (laughs) The inner Virgo in me is like, I'm down to be at the best at this fucking group Mm -hmm. project that I will be. And I think that's really how you have to come to it is like, it's an experiment. It might work, it might not. But if you're genuinely trying with the best of intentions,
0: I think you can get pretty far. Yeah, I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah. Or else why am I even, why am I doing it? Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on soulmates or soul contracts? What are you? this mm-hmm. is, this is a woo-woo show. So what are your thoughts on those Ooh. things? Oh, it's so interesting. Okay. What's a soul contract? So a soul contract would be that before this lifetime, you made an agreement in some other realm that you were going to meet each other, and be engaged with one another in some way in this lifetime. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's like you're going to be boyfriend-girlfriend or, or you know, married partners. Maybe it could be you made a co- contract. You're going to be sisters or best friends yeah. or whatever it might be. But that there is a pre arranged agreement that in this lifetime gonna, we're going to hook up and do something together. That you're going
1: to have it out.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's so
1: funny. I remember <laughs> when I got out of my last relationship – I see a psychic. This is a woo-woo podcast. Mm-hmm. And I called my psychic and she was like, I'm having this past life view. Uh-huh. She didn't know anything about him. She doesn't know anything about my relationships. I don't ask questions. And she was like, you were his mother
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he got harmed in battle. Okay. And you tried to save him and you couldn't. Can and you it feel was- that that could be true? <laughs> it- <laughs> Oh my God. It was so, I was like, she's looked through my (laughs) diary and, you know, how does she know? Mm -hmm. Because in our relationship, he was sick. He had an autoimmune disease, was sick for a long time. And I was, I fell into the role of caretaker and we really had to like have this dynamic out. And I just was like laughing. I was like, I mean, if if you had told me this like three years ago, I could have saved myself a lot of, yeah, you know, emotional labor. But um, I don't know. Like, you know, those moments happen and I'm like, I totally believe it. That explains everything. Thank you for tying it up in a nice little bow. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was a past life agreement I made <laughs> right. I'm in Scotland in it. the yeah. 1700s. <laughs> right. And I'm just here to fulfill it. Uh-huh. And I think it's easy to categorize things like that it it feels good for things to make sense yeah but it's so funny because I used to believe in everything Mm -hmm. and I kind of do like I love the woo-woo shit like I'm into it yeah and I dabble in kind of everything but I'm like coming back to this new place where I think I just keep saying like I don't know yeah yeah I don't know I don't know if it means nothing or if it means everything and sometimes I think you know I'm in this incredibly beautiful relationship and I did so much work on myself and he did so much work on himself. But then at the same time, I'm like, it's just a fluke. Yeah. That we met that one day at the Silver Lake Reservoir and had a picnic and then fell in love. Like, I don't know. And so I think I do believe in soulmates in the sense that I believe that there are people that yeah, that we just like are meant to be with But I believe that we have a lot of soulmates, and I believe that they don't come necessarily in romantic partners. They come as all kinds of things. Yeah. And I also believe that when we talk about soulmates, we think of this thing that's like forever. It was before you even existed, and Mm -hmm. then it will last on after you. And I think that also perpetuates the idea that the only type of successful relationship Is the long-term one where you, like, die hand in hand at the end of your lives together. And I think that it's to our detriment that we measure successful relationships in years spent. Like, I've had very beautiful people come into my life that affected me deeply that weren't meant to stay. Yeah. And I think that I would like that we measure things in that sense. Totally. Of, like, the impact it had on you and what it meant. And not necessarily in years spent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I 1000% feel that. And I think that when we allow ourselves to put a label on something like a label like Soulmate, and if something has come to an end, all of a sudden we're like, oh, can I actually like move through this process? Well, we're chastising ourselves too for like, quote
1: unquote, failing at the thing that we were supposed to do. Right. Or worse it comes back to the spiritual bypassing of totally if I have labeled this person my soulmate and this is the agreement that I've made with this person which is I've done this before then you let so much more slide because you're like it's not me to make these decisions it's the higher powers that (laughs) have dictated that you are my soulmate and they matched us up yeah you know and that's that can be really harmful. Yeah. So I, totally I think it's agree. it's such a beautiful concept, and I love that idea because I love love, and I'm such a yeah. romantic. But I think when we like peel away the layers, you know, I don't know, my dog's my soulmate. That's yeah.
0: really. <laughs> my that's my dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I our feel souls that. were
1: definitely connected in yeah, other past you're like, lives.
0: We've clearly been traveling through every lifetime. together Yeah, we've just always. been ping ponging <laughs> each other for billions of years. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she's a little star seed.
0: Yeah, I I totally feel all of that. And and I I do feel, I feel the soul contract idea and I like it better than the soulmate idea because I think that like in a soul contract, you could have made an agreement, like we are gonna be deeply in love for this portion of our lives and we're gonna do mm-hmm. these things together and we're gonna have these experiences and we're gonna learn these really fucked up lessons and we're gonna learn them together and then we're gonna need to go our separate ways. And that could be in some you know, and the linguistics of it—that was a soulmate connection at that point in time, and yeah. perhaps that truly was a contract that was made previous to this lifetime, and you allow it to be what it needed to be, and then you go on and you learn the lessons and you move you move forward. Yeah, and that's that's all good. I I, I tend to like that idea. I was having a conversation on the show um last season. With a woman who is a psychic. And I was talking to her about this relationship I had in my 20s. Actually, it was a guy I had also dated in high school. And I was telling her, I was like, I am certain in a past life, he was like the swashbuckling pirate who killed me multiple times and like <laughs> showed up in this lifetime to do it a couple of times again. Yeah. Like in yeah, high you're school. You're like, we signed
1: a contract to torture each yeah,
0: other. Yeah. Like, cool. I'm like letting you do this again. Um, but we had like this like thing in high school. And then we started dating again after college and had this thing after college and she said to me on the show with her like psychic wisdom she was like oh yeah and what happened was the other folks you had soul contracts with saw what was going on and were like oh no 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 hold you (laughs) out like get you out of this because we've seen this one before like he's not going to slit your throat again in this lifetime that is so
1: funny Mm -hmm.
0: I mean I believe in that of like the other people that are that somehow are involved whether you realize it or not yeah because of course when I was like 22 and that was going on I, I was like it's just, it's like, uh, you know, this is is, love, uh, mom. You don't understand.
1: Right. No one's ever been Mm -hmm. this in love before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how, of course, that's 1000% how I felt. And when it ended, it ended so quickly and fairly dramatically. And that's what she said. She's like, these other other soul contracts that you didn't even know you had came in to like put a hard, hard stop to that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I
1: mean, thank your lucky stars for those yeah. other soul contracts. Yeah, I was like, thank all of <laughs> like, you where were mine? <laughs> where were mine? Yeah. No, I think yeah, it's interesting. And like, don't get me wrong, I believe in like cosmic karmic loops. Like, yeah. I believe, and I don't know if those are dictated from past lives or anything like that, but I believe that there are people that we are just cosmically looped to that we're doing yeah. this karmic ping pong until we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. And I think we've all had those people. I actually just recently had like a work breakup, like a a client breakup that was had lasted. We'd worked together for a decade. Wow, on and off, like yeah. f- a decade longer yeah, than long any time. relationship. It's but, a long you know? relationship. And um, I finally just had to send a text, and the butterflies I got in my stomach were the butterflies I used to get when I'd break up with people. Aww, it was the exact yeah. same it's the same feeling. Feeling. And I think that there's just certain people that we, you know, those are where we learn our lessons from. And we kind of loop through these things until we finally either see the light or have had enough or Google what is, you know, emotionally abusive relationship. And we have some things to go off of. Yeah. And, you know, or I don't know, for some people, they never end. It's really up to you, I think, or both of you to learn those lessons because you'll learn them eventually, right? Like- they will come. They'll come back and back and back until you learn them, sometimes with different people. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think that was my oh, yeah. thing was like it wasn't the same person. I never backslid like I'm not someone who dates the same person over and over again, but it was just a the, the same template of man. Yeah. Over and over again.
0: Yeah, and we we often do that until we don't. Until we have that lesson learned and we start to have that awareness that like, oh wait, this template does not, does not work for me. I'm not yeah. going to do this again. But it is so challenging because when you're in it and you're doing it, it's hard to see it until you can really like take the time and space to
1: And you genuinely reflect. love these people as you yeah. should. I think it's so beautiful. You know, when I reflect back, I'm like, no, I, you know, I don't regret, like I genuinely sure. loved that person and I'm proud of the love I gave in that relationship. Yeah. And then I also learned things and now I'm a better person. And yeah, I think my partner and I talk a lot about we're so grateful for all the lessons that we learned yeah. that we now get to put into practice with each other. Totally. And I think we we talk so much about doing this work alone and like almost that you like can't be in a relationship until you've fixed yourself, which we ne- you will never yeah. finish the work. And I do think you get to a
0: point where you have to put it into practice with someone else. Totally. Yeah, now I think about when i've when i've heard people say that before i think about the growth ben and i have had together as individuals but while we've been together if either of us had waited until like we had sorted out you know the shit that we needed to sort out before we came together you know that just it just wasn't how it was going to go and i also and i think he too we needed the the support and the love of the other one to really work through our each of our own things. You know what I yes, mean? Yes. And yeah.
1: full, full circle moment. So that really is what co-commitment is or, yeah. you know, conscious relationships is like that you – like how beautiful is it when you feel so deeply loved? And I don't love to use the word unconditional. But when you feel so deeply loved that you feel the freedom to be everything that you are. Yeah. Like, that is just—I wish that for everyone. That is the most beautiful feeling. You feel boundless. Like, those fears of, you know, all these imperfections and all these things don't entirely melt away. But, you know, like, they kind of take a back burner for a second— Because you're seeing yourself in this person's eyes and that I don't know that's just like the most incredible feeling and whether that is a close friendship whether that is a parent that can offer that to you or a romantic partner like having someone love you and see you for who you are and not their projection of who you are truly creates the most space for you infinite space for both parties to succeed and that's sort of really the
0: definition of co-commitment. Yeah, and we all we all very much deserve that. Yes. So, so much. So you have an event coming up for Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is in a couple of weeks, right around the corner. So tell me about that event. Yeah.
1: So it's at Tactile Mountain, which is a wonderful store in Pasadena. Awesome. And it's on February 12th. And there will be more details. I'll share those with you and you can include them or um, whatnot. But... We're going to do an evening of connectivity and community. So there's going to be sort of sensory snacks and there will be natural wine. And we're going to talk a little bit more about co-commitment and just sort of conscious connections. And then we will do a little exercise um, with the game, Say It, Do It, which is was created by my friend Corey Sargent. And it's yeah. a card game. And it sort of prompts for connection. And so then we'll sort of put what we talked about into practice and people will have the opportunity to speak with potentially strangers, friends, partners, um, and see what that brings up for them. So beautiful. Everyone and anyone
0: is invited come by yourself, come with
1: a partner, come with, bring your friends. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for that.
0: Gorgeous. And where can folks find you and your work? Yes. Out there on the internet. So Inner
1: innereros at inner.eros on both TikTok and Instagram. And the website is innereros.com. And um That's such a beautiful yeah. name. Thank you. Yeah. It took me a long time to it's so good. come up with it. Because I know that eventually I'll just, it doesn't matter what the name is. I'll just hate it eventually. If you <laughs> look at it for too long. Do you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> I think it summed up
0: everything that I, yeah. 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 I think it fits you really beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michaela. This is so much fun to get to spend this time with you. I never want to stop. I know. I know. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to do it all the time. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. My My pleasure. And that's a wrap for our first interview of season three. I'm so interested to hear from you all and know how this resonated with you. If you have not yet left a review for the show drop down into the app that you're listening to the show on now and if it's apple podcasts leave me a note and let me know how did this episode resonate with you i hope it was five star worthy let me know who else you'd like to see on the show this year and if you have already left us a review which i am so grateful for those of you that have go ahead and send us a note on social. We are at your woo woo BFF on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as well. And Michaela too. I'll drop all of that information in the show notes. Send us a note. Let us know how the episode resonated for you. And if you feel called to share the episode on your social, that means the world to us. It helps the show grow. It helps us get more eyes and ears on your woo woo best friend. I'll see you again next week. We have a couple of solo episodes coming your way before our next interview of the season. I'll be bringing you a solo episode from London. That's where I will be next week. Looking forward to sharing that adventure with you. And I hope to see a couple of you with me in Bali in March. Until then, much love. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Take care. Signing off. Your woo-woo best friend we